Transplanter RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter. That is at D-M-I-T-R-Y-O-P-I-N-E-S. And Explain Trade, a negotiation skills training consultancy believing in the power of D&D and Transplaner's potential to grow, tell great stories, and lift up our community. Explain Trade trains negotiators for governments, big companies, NGOs, and offers e-learning courses for individuals looking to get a better deal from their boss. Level up your charisma score and check out explaintrade.com. Hey there, thank you for tuning in to Trans Planar RPG. We are an all transgender, people of color led, 100% homebrew, Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition live streamed actual play campaign set in an original non colonial anti orientalist world. I am your game master, Connie, my pronouns are they, he, and she, and this is my cast. Hi everyone, my name is C, I use they them pronouns, and I play Oka Hien, Asamar blood hunter and monster hunting expert. I'm Erica, and I play V Noct Shurzo, your lovable elf sorcerer slash charlatan with draconic ancestry. My name is Lyra, and I use they she pronouns. I play Manaya Wairua, a half orc fighter with a sailing background. I'm Max, my pronouns are they them, and I play Dewey Quirk, an Aarakocra artificer and researcher on the run from his former employers at the Ohanahi Research Laboratory. You can support Transplaner RPG by pledging to our Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res assets, and much, much more. You can also support us by giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps immensely with getting new listeners to find us. So, with that out of the way, here are the content warnings for this episode. Content warnings for this episode include death, familial trauma, references to sexual entanglement, memory loss, blood, and bloodletting. Arc 4, Episode 5 a Structure of Blood from Right to Release by K. Ulande Barrett. Gather around, children, and listen to my tale about the Emperor's divine ascension. Long before any of you were born, Too Long was ruled by someone else. His name was Emperor Ju and he was not a good man. He threw decadent parties, squandering his kingdom's gold to feel his own luxury, while his people languished in poverty outside the gates of the slumbering palace. Emperor Ju ate lavishly and ignored his subjects' cries for help. Under his rule, the kingdom's coffers ran dry. Jews magistrates were even forced to borrow money from our neighbors, putting our great kingdom into the debt of other nations. But Jew didn't care. The only thing that mattered to him was pleasure and opulence, even as the people at the gates of the palace starved and cried and begged for mercy and help. All because Jew had been born into royalty. His eight spouses and their children were all the same. They attended Jew's parties, they flattered him, they ignored the plight of their people. All of them, except Xiong Zhen, daughter of consort Xiong Du, the eighth wife. Though she was but the sixteenth born, 
Princess Seongjen saw the negligence that her father's reign had wrought upon the people. She walked the streets of Dokao, and she learned their names, and she felt their suffering. Mengshen Zhidi blesses each emperor, this is true. But when bad things happen in the kingdom, this is also a sign of his wisdom's displeasure. Emperor Zhu had strayed from the path of enlightenment. Something had to be done. And so, Princess Xiongzhen, 16th born daughter of Xiongdu, 8th wife to the emperor, did it. One night, during one of Emperor Zhu's decadent feasts, the princess stormed the great hall and she slew her father. She slew her father's spouses and she slew her half-siblings until the banquet hall ran red with their blood. And then she threw open the gates of the slumbering palace and she let the people in so they could see what had been done. She knelt before them and she offered her neck to the executioner's block and she awaited the divine verdict. But the people did not strike her down. The people surged forward and they lifted her up and upon their lips they chanted emperor. And that, my children, is the story of our emperor's divine ascension. Her tale finished. Consort Arden Hien settles back into her wheelchair. Children cluster at her feet, their eyes blown wide with wonder. A stream gurgles nearby. Persimmon trees dapple the fourth wife's courtyard with sweet-smelling shadows. Consort Hien's drow eyes are bright as she tells the story, but tired. Here is a woman who has endured much in her life and has come out on the other end with grace intact. A silver pin, shaped like a set of elk's horns, adorns her long black hair. Unlike the other nobles of this slumbering palace, Consort Hien keeps her hair down instead of spun and twisted up into elaborate shapes. But recently, the years or something else has been catching up to her. Exhaustion hangs heavy on her face, and underneath her pale pink and white robes, her shoulders are slender, almost frail, emaciated. Her stone-colored skin is paper-thin, almost translucent, and wrinkles, new wrinkles, speckle the space around her temples. A tiefling child in the crowd raises their hand, uh, the son of some minor noble. Uh, Eighth Wife, why did the Emperor have to kill her father King? Couldn't they have just talked? Uh, at this, the other children laugh at their ignorance, but Consort Hien just smiles. That's a great question, little Sparrow. Uh, you see, the Emperor had tried all manner of tactics to get her father King to listen, but he just wouldn't. Sometimes, very rarely, but it does happen, Death is the only way forward. She's about to say more when her eyes land on someone standing at the gate. Arden freezes, her eyes widen, and the little color left in her cheeks drains away. Oka, why don't you describe what your mother sees as you're silhouetted against the open archway of the Hien's courtyard? Great, so I still have one HP. 
Um, and I had been covered in blood, but I think that on their way to the courtyard, Oka kind of would have like ducked between a copse of like a thicket kind of in one of the rock gardens and literally like washed themselves in the in the water right to, and it like would have run red so now they're, they're kind of like wet and dripping with water uh like off the ends of their hair and they have this uh new bolt of red uh like this bright redness that kind of just like splits through their right eye left eye i don't really know one of their eyes and they're standing there with like one hand kind of on this like stone archway still holding on and they also look exhausted like they just died and came back to life which is exactly what happened um so a little bit dripping wet sad uh and kind of stricken like they're just like stuck there completely frozen in place like they were coming in with purpose but they can't take another step forward the children clustered at your mother's feet uh turn to look and they just sort of cock their heads. I don't think any of them really recognize you. Um, but their eyes fall on your dripping, soaking wet form. And your mother, Arden, says, Children, I think that's it for story time today. Why don't you all go home? Uh, back to your own courtyards. Uh, I have a visitor. And with that, some of the ladies in waiting like help usher the children like out of the courtyard. The kids leave. Leaving just you and your mother in this garden. Makoya. At the use of their old name, Oka kind of like stumbles forward, uh, like they're no longer frozen in place. They take a few steps, uh, but they're so weak still. I think that they like literally like stumble, uh, like they're trying to like move toward her as fast as they can, but they can't really control the way that their feet move. And they kind of like tip like into the, and they like fall onto their knees a few feet away from her, like in the courtyard. Um, but they keep scrambling. They like pick themselves up a little like desperately. Uh, and they're almost like crawling on their hands and knees toward her. Your mother rolls her wheelchair forward. I think like a lady in waiting like rushes forward to like help her, but she raises a hand to do it herself. She like rolls forward and like meets you halfway. And I think like the two of you are looking at each other and there's just sort of like a persimmon tree in the back and like autumn leaves are falling golden and brown and dead, like swirling like behind the two of you. And you like hear the gurgling of a stream nearby and you're looking up at your mother, up at a face you have not seen in seven years. She's looking down at a face she hasn't seen in seven years. Her eyes are wide. Oka, Makoya, oh, my child, oh. And she like leans forward in her wheelchair to, to catch you as you're falling. I, I think Oka is still kind of like on their knees, you know, and they've like crawled forward to the point where they're like, just like knelt in front of her. I think maybe like the size they were when when they were a child and they would like kind of like put their hands on her knees as she was sitting in her wheelchair and like look up at her. I think they kind of like do the same thing now, like like that memory like folding in on itself as they like put their hands like over her hands, you know, kind of like on her lap. Uh, and they just kind of like rest their forehead down like on her hands. Ma, I, I'm, 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 I'm sorry. I'm here. I'm here. I'm here. Shh, shh. It's 
okay. It's okay, Makoya. It's going to be okay. Uh, and she's just sort of like stroking the little stubble of your hair on your head. Um, and holding you like on her knees. Like she's locked her chair in place so she won't roll off and is just holding you close to her. And I think for like a while, she's just sort of like murmuring like these like comforting words to you and holding you and pulling you close. And you haven't smelled your mom in like seven years either. And it's like such a comforting, warm smell that you've almost forgotten. But now that you're here and you're full of it, it's it's like it was with you the whole, this whole time. Yeah, I think Oka stays there for like a long time. And I don't think they even realize they're crying until like they look up finally. You know? I'm, uh, I... Yaya said you were in trouble. And they kind of like reach up and like touch her cheek. What's going on? What's wrong? <sighs> Makoya. And you see, as you look up, your mom is also, like, her cheek is wet. She's been crying while you've also been crying on her knees, but very gently. She speaks, her voice isn't broken when she speaks, but it is tenuous. And she says, I'm, I'm okay, you don't have to worry about your mother. It's, it's you that I'm worried about. If you're here, if guards aren't after you, then that, then that can only mean one thing. Your mother, father, they... They. It doesn't matter. I'm. Look. And they kind of like. They look like shit. Still, they kind of like pat at themselves. I know I. I look a little different than the last time, but. I'm still here to take care of you like I said I would be. It's fine. I figured it out. Have you... have you come home at last? Are you here to stay? And then it's suddenly like Oka can't meet her eyes. They like look down at their hands that are clasped like with hers. And they like f like fold like a thumb like... Uh, again, this like memory of like a comforting motion like over her knuckles. I'm I'm here as long as you need me to be. Koya, are you here to stay? Or are you just here to say goodbye again? I don't know. I don't know anymore. I don't know what I'm doing anymore. The, ri the river just takes me and I don't know where it's pulling me and I don't know where I'm going and I don't know why. But I had to come back. I had to come see you. It's just the selfish request of your mother, but don't leave. Makoya? I'm here. I'm right. I'm right. I'm right here. And they kind of like put their head back in her lap. I'm here. I'm not going anywhere now. I'm right here now. And your mother holds you close and does not speak a word. And I think for a long time, the two of you just sort of hold each other in that courtyard. Uh, your childhood courtyard where you grew up. The shade of that self-same tree that you saw bloom from a sapling. 
Uh, and in that moment, I think we're going to cut away uh, from this courtyard and cut into a very different courtyard on the other side of the slumbering palace. Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev. Halo, this pink-skinned, snow-colored tiefling, has led the, f- the four of you uh, into a section of the guest's courtyard here in the palace. Uh, it's connected by a series of archways and these like beautiful like double and triple tiered buildings um, that have these like uh, sliding doors uh, that open up. Um, and one of these doors, Halo opens up, steps onto a deck and opens it. And inside you see like a real nice bedroom, not gonna lie, it's real nice. Uh, you see some like, like a soft, like uh, a hard mattress actually, but there's like tons of pillows and like blankets all around. Like, uh, structures and furniture made of burnished and polished wood. Uh, you see like these tea sets in these like glass display cases that look like servants dust it every minute. You know, it's like polishing and gleaming. And these little like, they're currently inert because uh, it's not quite evening yet. But these little like gray globes sort of float toward the ceiling. These are like dancing lights that will like turn bright and turn on to sort of fill the space with ambient light when uh, the sunless sky starts to darken. Halo opens up this room and says, Well, this entire complex is the four of yours. Uh, I will make sure to log it and take care of any other logistics that might be applicable here. Uh, Why don't the four of you get settled in for the evening and perhaps talk amongst yourselves about the reason why you're all here? And with that, she lingers on Dewey, maybe like still holding a stack of your business cards. Uh, Like her eye lingers on it. She turns to the rest of you and says, any questions before I attend to some of my duties? I think V runs straight for a bed and leaps onto it and like lands on it and she's just like, uh, I've got no questions. This is... I remember now what I love about this city so much. Comfort. So comfortable. <laughs> v, what's interesting is that the beds are actually kind of like uh, the hardness of tatami a bit so it's like hard beds so when you leap onto it bam i think your hip cracks a little <laughs> like as you as you like pile drive yourself into it but maybe you're like trying to play it off yeah oh definitely as soon as she lands on it it stiffens up and like p- puts the head by the hand behind the head and just like yep this is this is great i love it here this is the best that are, are best you dream sure empire city i've ever known well the beds are made specifically to have good posture at night sleep on your back they're not very comfortable otherwise uh and halo's like lingering on your like wince this, this is fine this is absolutely fine in fact you know it was more the sh- it was the shoulder pads that hurted more than, than the actual bed we're fine this is fine everything is fine i'm i'm so grateful to be here uh, well, uh, myself and the Emperor, we extend our gratitude to the four of you for helping us with our problem. Anything else I can get the rest of you? Would you like some drinks, snacks, while you settle in for the night? Did anyone see where Oka went? Uh, Oka left to see their mother and their sisters, I believe. Uh, they should be back before the evening. I see. Question, Halo. Yes. You saw ahead of time that I was going to do that, didn't you? A good dream prophet never tells. Otherwise, the course of the river will be altered forever. Have a good night. Uh, I'm going to see you later. Uh, And with that, Halo, like, bends at the waist as she backs out of the room and leaves. Uh, Rev, I think, 
Ugh, finally. She like drops like her pack like onto the ground. She like uh shrugs her shoulders uh and like the raven feather cape like ripples and disappears into nothingness. Uh and like her entire form is actually gonna ripple so she gets into like more comfortable clothes. Like instead of armor, it's just like a tunic and trousers that go up to her waist, and like a slightly unbuttoned tunic that shows off some uh muscular cleavage, let's say. Uh and she's gonna like carefully sidle into like the bed next next to V and like kick her shoes off and kick her feet up onto like a footrest. Ugh, this is nice. Really hard though, V. Are you okay? Uh, at this point, V's like sat up a little bit to like take off the shoulder pads and like take off the little chunks of armor on her to be more relaxed and take off her boots. Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm just, a, it knocked the wind out of me a little bit, but I'm fine. There's a bruise forming on your back. Uh, hold on, let me, and like Rev starts to like tend, tend to the bruise, like puts her hands over it. You feel like this like healing magic start to course, course over your, your spine. Ah, oh, that feels so much better. Thank Dewey you. Dewey so <laughs> turns to Manaya and like, you want to see if, uh, where the other beds are? What's wrong, Cardu? Uncomfortable with a little bit of PDA? Aren't you a dad? And, and, you know what? Don't finish that sentence. Uh, and Dewey's gonna walk into like uh, through the nearest doorway <laughs> okay yeah Dewey you walk through like an open archway into like a conjoined room right on the other side and there's like these beautiful like dark mahogany wood like burnished like lattices right these beautiful scrolls of like these like watercolor paintings these like scrolls with calligraphy like hung over um, these like vases like painted with like blue and white ceramic like this place is nice it's real nice uh you walk under the archway and enter the other room manaya i think manaya follows dewey a sort of like her own leaf cape in her hands like wonder if i could make it disappear like that hmm but like <laughs> not even paying attention to where she's going just following the nearest person who's walking Okay, yeah. Um, and I and Dewey, the two of you enter like a room that's basically like symmetrical to the room we just left. Um, the beds are sort of like uh, against the same. They share a wall. <laughs> uh, there's like two beds in this entire complex, so you have to share a bed. Uh, but the beds are really big. They're nice and big and comfy. So it's not, it's like they're California king size, basically. Enter, I assume you've got stuff, packs maybe that you're starting to like drop down, like settle in, etc. While this is happening, all of you, all four of you hear a polite uh but insistent knock 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 uh at the frame that halo at the door that halo just exited from and without waiting for a response the door slides open and in walks a halfling woman uh and she is surrounded by several servants like a retinue it seems maybe like five or six ladies in waiting um She's got this, like, short black hair cut in this, like, asymmetrical bob, uh, but, like, the back of it is, like, twined up uh, in, like, in, like, the noble, like, too long in style uh, and done with, like, a little, like, butterfly pin at the very top. Uh, and she's draped in these, like, dark colored robes with, like, silver thread uh, shot through it. And she's got her, like, hands clasped in front of her chest, uh, fingers intertwined and sparkling with these, like, uh, gems inset in, in her rings. And she smiles uh, at Rev and V, who are on the bed. Uh, and she also, like, inclines her head a little, so she addresses the entire complex and not just the room that Rev and V are in. Hello, good afternoon. I hope I'm not intruding. I just thought I'd make an introduction. Hello. Yes, come. Come on in. This uh, 
V like looks back at Rev like, um, first off, a little, I mean, that healing stuff was really nice, but, uh, but there's also like a, um, who is this type of look back to Rev? Uh, yeah, Rev sits up a little, uh, and like swings her legs over the side of the bed. Uh, and she like shrugs her shoulders and like the, the feather cape comes back on, magic ripples down her front, her armor comes back on. And at this, the halfling woman goes, oh, oh my, oh, what a strong display of magic. Very impressive, though I would not expect anything less from the four mercenaries that walked away from the throne room unscathed yeah you should fear us we're pretty we're pretty um powerful <laughs> oh and you're blessed with a sense of humor as well and you're noticing she's talking in common not to you like she's assumed that you're not fluent in you or that you're not from too long already like from from the moment that she stepped in dewey Manaya, you're in the other room do you poke your heads into this room uh, I think maybe Manaya's still in the doorway, and at somebody walking in, she still has her cape in her hands, and she like whips around and like swiftly puts it behind her, and then she sort of watches the conversation go back and forth, and um, and she says, "Yes, we try our best to have some fun around here when we can. Did you need anything?" Oh, I just wanted to introduce myself here, and more importantly. Get the four of you introduced to me. There have been some very interesting rumors in the past 30 minutes uh, of three rugged mercenaries escorting a shirtless Prince Hien who has not been seen in over seven years, uh, exiled for treason for the slaying of a divine beast, escort the prince into the throne room. But, oh, what is so interesting and perplexing? Rumors abound that four different-looking mercenaries came out. The four of you, a tall, drow woman with pale skin, an even paler-skinned elf woman with dark green scales around her face, a pigeon, uh, and a tall half-orc woman. Now, now, where is the pigeon? Pigeon, cuckoo-coo! The pigeon has a name, okay? The pigeon... V just gets really upset by this, like, condescendingness. Oh, my, my apologies. Dewey peeks out from behind Manaya with, like, the a look of, like, incredulity. Like, who... Sorry, who are you? The rumors go on to say, this woman says, ignoring your questions about who she is, that, <laughs> interestingly enough, she starts to pace as she, like, poof, like, flicks out a fan from nowhere and starts, like, fanning herself, you know? Rumors abound that Prince Makoya Hien was seen in two different places. Isn't that interesting? Dressed and behaving differently. Now what's going on with that, hmm? And can these new four people who have emerged from this throne room not 30 minutes ago enlighten me? Manaya's strides forward, confident, her hand moving towards her axe, but subtly, and she says, I would implore you to remember that we live in a world of magic, dwindling as it is, and that many things are possible, many things can be seen which are not real, many things can happen which may be incredulous. Did I use that right? Manaya looks back at Dewey. Gives, gives her a thumbs up. And that what you hear and what you see may not be what is going 
on. <laughs> and Manaya's like close now. Oh my, why, you are tall. Oh, almost as tall as the second wife, but not quite. Uh, and she snaps her fan shut. And she points it at your midriff, because she's a halfling, and that's the highest point she can reach on your body, Manaya. Are you threatening me? No. Are you? I'm simply seeking information, my dear. As she, like, snaps the fan back open. And I think it would be in the four of your best interests to remember the tone and the words you choose when you're navigating the walls of the slumbering palace. My apologies, my, um... Still don't know, have any idea who you are. But, um, if you want some enlightenment, I do charge by every 15 minutes. About 500 gold pieces for enlightenment. I'm very, I can enlighten quite a bit. I deal in, in information. And just to give you a little morsel, I live in a world where I've seen two things happen. I disintegrate God person, and they're not disintegrated. Two things can exist at once. It's almost, it's almost a strange world we live in now. She squints at you for a really, like, hard and long duration as you speak, V. And then something clicks in her eyes. Ah, I know you. Half, uh, high elf. Hmm, blondish white hair. Mm, that's right. But more than that, a liar's countenance. You tried to rob the royal library a number of decades ago, didn't you? V Noxherzo. You what? <laughs> Okay, wow, yes, you're good, you're real good, I will hand it to you. You're very good, you have a very good memory. But that was decades ago, let... I didn't even get the book to begin with. <laughs> well, rumors say you made it to the depths of the Forbidden Stacks. I wonder what you traded to get what you wanted, or if you even got it at all now that you're back here. <laughs> well, well, well. So you have forgotten... How fascinating. Well, oh, will you look at the time? Uh, and one of her ladies-in-waiting dings a bell. Oh, thank you so much. I do have to be going. As for my name, I shall gladly share it. The fact that none of you know who I am <laughs> does not bode well for your stay here. Everyone in the slumbering palace knows the name of the eighth wife. Consort Liu Bai Shu. At your service. We'll meet again, darlings. Mwah. And the halfling woman turns, and she strides to leave. <laughs> Dewey's got like a sheet of parchment. He's like, "Wait, what? What characters are the?" And, and she's like, gone. She's already out the door. <laughs> she's gone. She's out. Uh, and on that, we're gonna cut back to Arden and Oka. I think a decent amount of time has passed as the two of you are just holding each other and crying, right? And like having this like really tender, intimate moment as like mother and child coming back after seven years of absence. And at this point, Arden has like, like ooh, compelled herself a little bit more, gotten herself, composed herself a little bit more, gotten herself together, ooh, has like dry the tears on her face. It's now looking down at you, Oka. Oka, have you, have you gotten the chance to, to see Yaya or Liangya or, or Toya yet? Uh, no, I, I... I came straight here. Liangya and 
teuer. They came to that... Do you remember Convergence? When we used to go to the fireworks festival. Oh, yeah, I do remember. I lost... You see this? And Arden gestures toward like a strand of white hair. I got that after learning that your sisters went to Convergence, escaped from the slumbering palace, took took your mother-father's sword with them. I don't know how Yaya got her hands on that thing. I I know. They gave it to me and told me that something was wrong and they kind of like scoot in closer. I brought the sword back. It's it's where it belongs now. But that's not all I'm here for. Ma, what what is happening? What's going on? What aren't you telling me? Uh, and at that, your mother sways a little in the wheelchair. In a way that you haven't seen her sway before. She's always had, like, chronic pain, but this is different. Uh, and she touches the side of her temple. <clears throat> and she, like, holds out a hand to stabilize herself. And, uh, yes? Oka, go ahead. Oh, yeah, baby. Uh, Oka, as she does, Oka's hand is gonna kind of come up and, like, like, mirror hers. Uh, and I would like to use my grim psychometry, which means that I have advantage on intelligence history checks uh, and a knack for recalling the dark past of objects I'm touching or places I'm in. It's not technically people, but I'd like to try it. Okay, make an intelligence check with advantage, my good friend. Uh, a natural 20. Wow, that's really good. Okay, you touch the side of your mother's temple and you feel the blood pumping through her system. Right, you close, maybe even close your eyes and you focus and you hear the goof, goof of her heart. Right, you can like feel the blood flowing through her veins, through her arteries. Right, infusing her muscles. Right, like winding their way through her joints. And you realize what's wrong with her, and you realize why you also cannot fix it. Your mother is dying, and you can feel her heart, almost like with this like strange palpitation she's dying of a broken heart like literally no her heart is not literally broken but it's grief seven years of grief run through her veins the grief of losing you uh, in such a terrible and traumatic way and you get the sense that the only reason she's kept going after your absence is for your sister's sake she sort of like reels on this chair and holds the side of your wrist for stability as you touch your temple. And Oka's eyes kind of flutter open and they're... There's this look of like confusion that comes over their face. Like they can't really fathom what that is because they've never felt that in any person before. And like they've like helped like give... Like they helped their mother give birth give birth to their sisters, you know, like they understand death, they understand blood like intricately. And they kind of like waver. I think you feel the grief like coursing through you. Like there's like a, almost like a moment of like blood magic empathy, I guess, uh, as like your heartbeats like synchronize and you feel this like huge crashing, like momentous, like how is she even like up and about, right? Just like coursing through you in like these waves of pain, just gushing through your heart. Right, and it literally feels like your heart is breaking, right? That's what it feels like when, when your heart gets broken. Like, it's physical, even though a lot of it's psychological, but it is also physical, 
right? So I think you you feel that pain and you share it for a few brief moments. Yeah, I think so, because not only do I share hers, but I feel my own, my own absence for like from this place, like from her, from my sisters, this like emptiness that kind of has like been growing and like gnawing, like, uh, like claws on the inside of their body, like digging and digging and digging. Ma. Mom. <laughs> I'm okay, Makoya. I'm okay. The royal physicians have been taking good care of me. Apparently not enough. Why? Why? Why haven't you asked? And they can't really say the words, but the implication is the emperor. <laughs> Your mother father has tried, but it's not, it's not anything they can fix. Liangya, she had a very silly diagnosis for me. It must be some new sort of illness or disease. Leave it to me to get it. What did she say? And your mother just like shakes her head and her face sort of pinches. Uh, and you see, like, the tendons on her neck sort of tighten a little bit, and she does not respond. And Oko kind of brings her hand back up to her cheek. Ma, look. And they kind of, like, pick up her hand and put it over theirs, which is touching her face. I'm right here. I'm real. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. Your mother holds your gaze for one quavering moment her eyes brimming with tears. And then she weeps. Uh, she breaks down weeping. Uh, up until this point, she'd been crying, but gently and in a composed way. But now it's, she's just sobbing. And she lets you hold her as she's crying. And she's trying to like, in between gasps of, of her own breath, she's like trying to say like, I'm okay. Like, this isn't right. It's not right for a mother to cry in front of her child. All that, you know, but she's like crying and she can't help it. I'm, uh, I missed you so much. Every day I've, I, I, I fought for you. I'm home. I promise I'm here. I'm home. And eventually, with you holding her, like your mom's weeping dies down and uh, she pulls out like a handkerchief and wipes at her face. <laughs> How unladylike of me. Though you know we've never quite fit in here. Still, this is quite undignified. Please don't. You are the most beautiful, noble person I've ever met. This palace does not deserve you, and it never has. Oh, shush. Pay, pay, pay. Don't say such things. Don't invite that sort of thing in, in here. And she tucks the handkerchief away and shakes her head very quickly and says, Your, your sister, uh, Yaya, Sambaya, she has a, um, tomorrow night, she has a, a, a sword demonstration. Toya has been putting it together, and it's the only thing that will drag Liangya out of the royal library these days, because the imperial exams are coming up at the end of Raven. You should come. You should come. You should come see your sisters. You should, if you're going to be staying for any amount of time, you should, you should come. But if you're not, Makoya, if you're just going to be leaving, then you shouldn't come. I'm not leaving. Ma, there's something going on. Something 
bad. Your mother interrupts you. She holds up a finger. Speak not of it to me, Makoya. You know you shouldn't. Does she know? Roll insight. I'll use a point of inspiration. You do not have one. Would you like to use collective? Yes. I rolled a four and a five. Uh, okay. That sucks. Uh, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Uh, twelve. Wow. <laughs> what the fuck? High intelligence, baby. I'm a smart bitch. Insight is wisdom. I'm also a wise bitch. <laughs> okay. I think actually an eleven then. Okay, cool. Uh, with an eleven. Your mother knows that you shouldn't tell her this. You get the sense that she knows something is afoot, but she might not know the details. What she does know, though, is that the more people you tell of it, uh, the greater danger you are in. And you get the sense she also knows the Emperor is involved and that she is not gonna risk the Emperor's life or your life or or the lives of your sisters. Okay. I won't. But know that I'm taking care of it. Okay? Ever the responsible eldest sibling. And after it's taken care of, Bakoya? Palace is not the only place that's broken, Ma. Everywhere else is too, but... But I can always come back. If I don't leave, then we'll have nothing. The whole world is gonna crumble into nothing. I'm going to keep all of you, all of you safe. I will. I will. You can't do that alone, Makoya. I'm not alone. Strangely enough, I'm not. Will you sleep in your room tonight? Would you like me to? What if Yaya or Toya... I don't... No, no, you're... you're right. The first time you see your sisters again should be in a a good place. A, a a correct place. Not like this. Um Go. Go then. Take care of what you must take care of. And I shall see you tomorrow night. Can I stay for just a little bit longer? Of course. Uh and on that. We're going to pull away from this, like, framed silhouette uh, of Oka and their mother, Arden, in the shade of this persimmon tree. Uh, And I think time passes. Uh, We see, like, a time lapse of the sky, right? This, like, early afternoon, sunless light slowly dimming and browning, turning toward this, like, darkened gray uh, as evening starts to take over. And the various little fairy lights and orbs and and glowing motes of magic uh, within the slumbering palace begin to light up, uh, casting this, like, dim, pleasant, ambient light throughout the entire palace. Uh, We see... We smell uh, autumn flowers, night flowers blooming, their pollen um, dispersing through the chilly fall air. We hear the gurgling of streams uh, cutting through the various courtyards and interconnected buildings and complexes of the palace. Uh, We see officials sitting outside admiring the starless dark from the safety uh, of the palace, uh, talking about poetry and literature to each other. Uh, And we see noble women. 
in tea parlors, uh, drinking hot cups of, of green and oolong and white tea, uh, and scheming uh, a way to plot their way upward the imperial ladder. And now finally, we go back to the guest courtyard uh, where we left Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev. Uh, so out of the four of you, tell me what you're up to before uh, your old party member rejoins you. V, ever since that interaction, has actually been a bit more internal and almost um, angry about something. And is probably giving everybody, including Rev, a little bit of the cold shoulder. And she's probably left the quarters for a little bit of time, kind of like retracing her steps from so many decades ago to like find where the great library is and um, just looking at it for a while, something is ticking in her head and then she eventually like walks back to the guest quarters before it gets like too late or whatever. But she's, she's thinking about something. I think on your way back from the great library, right? Like you left on your own, you made it very clear you wanted to be alone. Um, a couple of blocks away from the guest courtyard, the shadows ripple, like the shadow underneath like a uh, mahogany tree ripples and stepping out of the darkness, previously completely invisible is Rev. Hey. Oh, uh, hello. Um, hi. I know you wanted to be left alone, uh, but I just wanted to check in. Vasanti, what's wrong? I mean, that halfling woman, she was lying, right? Maybe she mistook you for someone else? And even if she wasn't, what's the big deal about a place full of books? Not lying. Definitely have been here before. Tried to steal something from the great library. <laughs> Classic V. Classic. But you're not usually this hung up on places you've stolen from. What's... what's wrong? Well, it's a couple of things, really. I used to live here for quite some time. Not here in the palace, but here in Delco. And, uh, she talked about I had to give up a memory. And I've always had this strange fog about my time in this place. I can remember... I remember the last day of my mother's life as if it just happened yesterday, but this place has always been somewhat of a cloud over me. And I'm just... Wondering, I encountered in the vault this entity who, in order to get past, and like V's like just recalling that entire event of like, there's like this moment of like, I had to give up a memory, but I can't remember what it was. It's just nothing. And I'm just curious. <laughs> yeah, uh, Seems like this isn't, certainly was not the first and last time you've had to give up a memory. I, I'm sure we'll be able to find it. Uh, I think that'll help, right? I mean, what are the chances it's a memory of you kissing someone else? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you think I'd remember that, right? Yeah. That, that, <laughs> that's silly. Of course I'd remember. And then V remembers what Rip is talking about, and she, like, yeah. her elf skin <laughs> From, like, starts Arc to Yes. <laughs> it's... There's no way that could happen to the same person twice in their lifetime, no, right? No, that's, that would be that's, that's that would be ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, no, there's yeah. no way. You know what the worst thing about that score was? There was no the book I was searching wasn't even there. It was checked out what? by it was be checked out by 
By a who? Doctor, a doctor. Doctor who? Not who, more like oh, uh, Aluso. Aluso? It was the doctor. What? He what? took that book. What are you, V, what are you talking about? Oh, I should have searched his place for this book. I forgot about it. V is like, <laughs> get worked up about it. I, I could have made a fortune. This is just coming back to you. I mean, come on. I've lived a while. I've experienced some things. I'm sorry I wasn't thinking about this place. I told you my memory around this place is a little fuzzy. It's a little, it's a little strange here. We still have the scrying bowl for Dr. Eluso, right? Maybe tonight before we sleep, we can talk to them or tomorrow or something. And if they took the book, maybe they'll know how to get your memories back. Because if they got down there, that must mean that they had to give something up too, right? And knowing them, they were probably able to remember it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. If anyone... I mean, he either knew how to get past that situation without giving up memory, or he would know... Yes, yes, this, this is good, yes. This is, this is why okay. I love you. You're so helpful. I am. <laughs> well, I love you too. And hey, hey, I can tell this is weighing really heavily on you, and I'll do whatever I can to help you remember what you lost. Okay? I swear it. I very much appreciate that about you, yes. You may, you've made me feel so much better. Let's, let's go back to the quarters. Yeah, I hope Manai and Dewey aren't burning the place down. <laughs> you know, it's always it's always the Aarakocra pigeon men. They always burn something down. Uh, we cut to Dewey in the quarters. What are you up to? I think he's just been like getting his stuff back from. I, I assume Manai was carrying his stuff that he couldn't have on his person, so they're like unpacking. I think. Hey, Dewey. What's up? We're both from Uhanahi. But yet there's still so much I don't know. I know you you shouldn't talk about everything you did at the URL, but I've always been fascinated by the the machinations you all dream up. I once met a machination it seemed completely made out of porcelain. I I always thought it was the most fragile thing in the world, but yet he was able to do all of the things that all of the other robots and things that were made there could do. Do you think maybe you could teach me a little bit of your, I don't know, engineering trade? Uh, sure. What are, what do you want to try and make? Okay, so that, uh, uh, the ring, the, the, the ring, the metal ring that has the, uh -huh. the rope. How do you do that? And I saw you crawl up into it. I, how does uh... that work? <laughs> Manaya like drops what she's doing. There's like a, a suitcase half full of stuff that just kind of falls out, and her eyes are wide, and she like sits next to Dewey. I think Dewey's like, oh yeah, like uh, he's got it open, and he's like popping in and out of it, and in and out of it as he's explaining, like, oh yeah, like you know, sometimes I had to like get away from uh, you know prying supervisor's eyes for a quick moment, so you know, it was... and he's like, oh, like this is a. Uh... You know, you just gotta find like a something, a ring, uh, maybe a little bit bigger, um, so it'll fit you. And like going over the mechanics a lot. Manaya is like nodding along and is very focused, but everything is going in one ear, out the other, right over her head. Like she's not understanding <laughs> any of it. Uh, and I think after a few minutes of this, she says, 
I'm definitely not going to be an engineer. And I'm not going to be a sailor anytime soon, so <laughs> it's a good thing we have each other to do those things. Uh, that's one thing off the list, I suppose. I mean, I like turns back and starts unpacking a little bit slowly. Uh, I think upon the scene of like Dewey maybe like poking his head in and out in and out of the hoop a little bit more before putting it away, uh, the partition slides open and Rev and V come in and Rev's in the middle of saying, hope they're not doing anything weird. Uh, uh, upon like Dewey holding the ring, like Mania going through all these strewn clothes and items on the ground. Well, will you look at that? Where are the two of you been? We were doing sex stuff, okay? Uh, and Rev leans down to V and whispers, so they won't ask. <laughs> Dewey puts the entire ring over his head and walks back to the other room. V cast message, that worked better than anything I would have ever said. <laughs> I think maybe it's at this point that Oka, Oka finally rejoins the party. Yeah, it's kind of like a fucking storm cloud walks in uh, because it like the, the door like slides and like the like the darkness outside, you know, kind of like peels and Oka comes in just like super me like mechanical, almost like empty eyed like the, But their eyes are like so puffy. They're still at one HP. Uh, you know, they just look fucked up uh, and they just turn around, slide the door closed. Um, and like, I think the whole, like the, the, the lightness of the conversation just plummets and they kind of just like put their back against the door and their head kind of like taps against it. Hi, Oka. Hey, you want to sit down? I think I'm going to take a bath and they kind of push off the wall, uh, and shuffle around the room. And I think they pause in the bathroom door and they look behind them. Ha how did they're like looking at each of them like the question of like how the fuck did you all get in here actually like it's finally dawning on them for the first time never mind we'll do a crash course tomorrow there's a lot of moving pieces and they like step into the bathroom and the door like slides shut a rev turns to the rest of the party and says should we tell them that one of the consorts came and visited us or should we hold on to that until tomorrow I think they've had a rough enough day and they probably don't need any more stress for tonight. Okay. So I think that might help. Dewey and Rev, did I see you with healing magic as well? They got pretty battered earlier, so. Yeah, I'll, uh, I can do that. Yeah, I got uh, it. No, I, I got it. You and uh, V seem like you're pretty occupied. Uh, well, you know, yeah, you've been traveling with her longer, and yet I know her better. Funny how that happens when you don't care to ask about people's pasts. I got it. Seems like you've been pretty, pretty busy getting to know uh, about V's past. Uh, maybe not so much time with Oka. Which is why I'm getting it. All right. <laughs> uh, Rev bristles past. <laughs> Dewey, I think she like intentionally uses her feather cape to slap you in the face as she passes. Uh, like whoosh, raven feathers ruffle against your blue pigeon-like feathers. Um, she strides over to where the bath is, uh, where Oka is, and knocks on the frame. Oka, it's me. Come in. Rev enters. I assume you're in like a tub. Are you doing the thing where like your limbs are sticking out? 
but like there's like tasteful steam rising so we can't see like your nethers. Absolutely. Very tasteful. Very tasteful steam. Uh, except Oka looks like a fucking wet, sad ragdoll. And it's like the tasteful steam, but they look awful. Like truly wretched. You look like shit. Thank you, Rev. You look like shit too. Hmm. You know, you look worse than the first time I looked in a mirror after I came back. And that's saying something. Yeah, well, I died today. Join the club. And Rev sits down next to the tub uh, and starts pulling out, like, herbs and stuff, like, from her pouch to, like, populate the water with to help, like, expedite the healing process. I feel like Oka just kind of, like, the, like, like, sit up so she can get at, like, the, like, whatever fucked up shit is going on, like, with their back and, like, at their chest, which is, of course, the site of so much bullshit, you know? The, like, black and gold veins just kind of, like, traveling, like, up and around. You know, I find that when you die and when you come back, your perspective on the world tends to change. When I first came back, I only cared about one thing. Killing the myriad. Now I... Well, now that the Raven Queen is here, and she, like, touches her chest... My priorities have shifted. What have they shifted to? I care about other things now. Vasanti, the other paragons, saving Andake. I'm not just a revenant anymore, I suppose. Driven by vengeance. I, I have a higher purpose. We all do. I suppose that's the difference between us, Rev. I've always tried. I always try. You know, the first time I died, the same moment that I killed a holy beast at Celian in the Silent Grove, one of Meng Shenshudi's most powerful emissaries, god amongst mortals. It had attacked me and my sisters when we snuck out of the palace. And it tried to kill them. So I laid down everything. But the Raven Queen wouldn't take me then. She didn't take me now. And they kind of like finally for the first time like look up at her sideways. I get the feeling that no god is ever gonna want me. Not Meng Shenshudi. Not the Raven Queen. Not Vinash. Not Sen. Have you heard of divine embodiment theory? Something all priestesses of the Raven Queen have to learn about. Have I have I have I? Roll Arcana. Cause I know you may not have paid attention in class when this was discussed. Only a twelve. Has something to do with the uh ontology of gods. Sure, the ontology of gods. Right. Basically, it's the question, uh, chicken or egg question. What came first, the goddess of birth and death, or birth and death? What came first, war or the god of war? What came first, the ability for things to change, or the goddess of change, etc.? This idea of, do we worship to the gods, or do we make them possible? 
It's a topic of much debate and much scholarship amongst all holy and learned folk across Andake. I was never a very good priestess. I trained in the sword, more so than anything else. You and me both. But that discussion always stuck with me. And I... I took something from it. I decided... It doesn't fucking matter. I died. I came back. That's sacrilege, according to the court. And yet, I'm the Raven Queen's paragon. You died twice, you came back twice. Your sin's paragon. Maybe we shouldn't question if the gods care about us, if they want us, if they like us, if they love us, if they hate us. Maybe we should only really care about Andake and the people that live here and the people that need us. What else matters? And Oka stares at Rev for like a really long time. And then they look back at the water. Huh. You know, I really didn't think you would give good pep talks, but... I'm surprisingly good at them, I think. Hmm. You know, when I came back the first time, well, actually, when I became a paragon for this first time and I went back to Blackspire, there was someone there that I gave a pep talk to, too. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure everyone in Blackspire needed a pep talk after that. She was really fucked up, though. I think... Well, hmm, I wouldn't go so far to say it's more fucked up than you, Oka, but just rest assured, you're not the only person with problems, and you're not the most fucked up person in Nadake, though sometimes you might feel like it. Really? I feel like I should have that title, actually. This is a challenge. Well, keep gunning for it, champ. And Rev, like, thumps you on the back. Oka's uh, down to zero hit points, and they die. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> they cough. Uh, Rev... I I want to introduce you to my mom. I want you to look at her. There's something wrong with... There's something wrong. Yeah. I'll take a look. And I'll be honest. Good. I feel like I can trust that. Now get out. Okay, chew on this. Uh, and Rev takes out some really bitter herbs. You can smell the bitterness from here and shoves them in your face. Come on. You don't want your blood to clot. Here, you have to chew. My blood's not going to clot. I can do that myself. That is not a good thing. Uh, and Rev keeps, like, shoving the herbs in your face. Okay, eventually takes them and then kind of, like, and, like, chews on them angrily. Okay, like an angry, like a little angry elk. You chew on the herbs. Uh, and Rev backs out of the bath. And I think that's like how the rest of the cadence of the night goes. Like Oka recovers in the bath. Rev has, you know, speaks with V and shoots Dewey rather dirty looks over her shoulder every now and then as the tension, I think, between the two of you grow. Um, and eventually the five of you get settled in for sleep. That night... You have a nightmare. It's a familiar one. You stand in the middle of a bloodied, blasted battlefield. The sky is a terror of sundered light, crimson stars, and eyes. So many eyes bleeding black and red tears onto the ground that form into monsters. Your soldiers, your allies, your friends are dead or dying. 
It's just the eight of you left. You look to your side, and you see seven other shadows, seven other paragons, suspended in this singular moment of reckoning. But something's different. Five of them shimmer like crystals, closer than they've ever been before. And you, too, your body is shimmering. You look up, and you see the two remaining shadows, their forms flickering in and out of existence, so close and yet so far, but you can't move. You're stuck in this crystallized moment of time. But it is the paragon of Mengshen Zhudi who is able to step forward, her body cut like a diamond who's able to parse this dream, raising her hand through the red, time-warped mist of this nightmare. She reaches out toward one of the shadows on this shattered battlefield, and for just a second their edges pull into sharper relief, and all of you smell lightning. You smell blood. You smell the booming thunder of mountains, and you see an old woman's face, and then gasping, the six of you wake. And we focus now on five of the six. Oka, Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev. The five of you <gasps> gasp awake, uh, the threads of this crimson, rippling nightmare dribbling off of the uh, edges of your consciousness, like fingers of, of gossamer, uh, refusing to leave your soul. And as you gasp whew, awake and look around on your hard beds and everything about your journey starts trickling back down into you, what do the five of you do? Oka immediately like sits up in bed like really fast and rolls over. I assume that they're sharing the room with Rev and V. Uh, and they kind of like just like throw the covers like off themselves. Did you see that? Did you see that? Did you see that? Yeah. Oka, it's early. Yes, I saw it. I and saw Oka, it. I think actually like scrambles out of bed and like like goes over to like and hovers over them in the bed. Did you see that? Did you see the person? The 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 old the old woman. Did you see her? Question, would I have recognized? <gasps> okay, I'm gonna ask for a roll. I need you to make me a straight intelligence check. Nat 20, baby. <gasps> oh my god, yeah. You see just like that image of a face that's starting to disappear, this memory starting to like dissipate, right? Like sugar in water, but then oh, you're able to match it. A flash of a, a room in Rosso. Uh, you fell through the ceiling. A flash of this memory. You appeared in this room. You saw an old woman sitting on the bed. You handed her a vial of your own blood that Sievert had extracted from you. And then you had dimension doored out of there, I think. You remember, it's the exact same face. It was that woman that you had like a weird brief encounter with in Rosso. I know who that I, well, I don't know who that was but I've met that person before what the fuck do you mean you know and the book like grabs V's for and like pulls her up what the fuck do you mean I've, where where in Rosso in Rosso I was fighting Sievert he had my blood I stole it from Oka him drops, got... Oka drops <laughs> drops V back down uh, and like, like goes over to their stuff <laughs> V falls on the hard bed again. And like starts like they throw open their journal and they start like scribbling something down like as fast as they can. Where in Rosso? It, whatever. The, we were in a hotel. We went to his room. I dimension door down a room. 
You went to a <laughs> hotel room with your ex? Yeah, if you knew this ex, I burned down the, his bed. I burned yes, down Siever, his suite. The, the man I promised to help you kill. Yes, yes. Wait, you what? I tried real hard that day. Let me tell you, I, I didn't mean to burn down his room. It just was collateral damage. But I gave, I gave this vial of blood to her, and then I left. She was right there. Do you think she still has a room there? Do you? And then V just sort of like trails off. Looking in from the next room. <sighs> By the depths of the flames of Mahu, what are you yelling about? The woman, Manaya, the woman in the dream. Yudabathi's paragon, we saw her. Didn't you see? Oh. We're in the slumbering palace. There's six paragons in the same space. It, it's, it, it, it's... And she... She helped. She helped us. You said Rosso. Yes, I, I, I don't know anything about her other than I gave her a vial of my blood. Okay, you have the strongest ties to Kane. We need a letter there as soon as we can. We can't leave here, but if she's still there, we need to know where. And if she isn't, we need to know when she left and where she's going. I'll, I'll see what I can do. A vial of your blood, V. Yeah, Sievert wanted something about my dad, the, one of those dragon cults, whatever those, like, just, you know. What? V, you, this is new information for us. It is, isn't it? Yes, you're right. I haven't told you this. I, um, yeah, apparently Sievert may or may not be working with my father, who may or may not be a dragon, and he may or may not have tried to take blood from me to... I don't know what. To what? To to what? Why do they need your blood? There's a lot you can do with blood. They specifically had to be my blood. It was more trustworthy in her hands than mine. Do you know what I would do with my blood if I had it? It was destiny. Destiny brought the two of you together. And destiny made the two of you part. Yes, Manaya's right. Oka, get a letter to Kane as soon as you can. Uh, wow. Your blood v what do you think are the chances that she still has it Ugh. i mean do they have an expiration date i don't know give me a dagger and oka is looking at v real like kind of intensely he's like climbing to the back of the bed against and the Oka's wall like crossing the bed like over the top like steps over rev you know somebody hand me a dagger so they're just like they're like just Locked on me, like just like the dimension to me. doors to the other side of the room. Okay, let's not get carried away here. This is uh, come Rev, on. <laughs> Rev teleports next to you and tackles you onto the bed again. Uh, v and like pins you down. Oka, now what? Uh, what is this? What? When I goes, oi, and like and tosses a dagger handle first. Manaya, not you! Oka catches it, and just the the tiniest, the teeniest, tiniest little print prick on V's, like, palm. I thought I could trust you! Ow! V, please. V, I died yesterday. Could you, like... <laughs> that really hurt! I Dewey takes V's hand, is like, they're there. It's like healing. You take two points of damage, V. Two. Two points. Uh, and... I, I love to misuse my blood hunter features. Uh, I have sacrificial tracking. 
which means when I finish a long rest, I can I can lose an equal amount of uh, HP, I would say, to choose up to three new creatures to gain advantages against when using my Hunter's Bane. What I'm actually trying to do is use my brand of castigation, which is to know where something is and to track V's blood in Andake. Oh, my God. Okay, you know what? That's going to be at least a roll. So why don't you roll an intelligence uh, uh, investigation check with advantage? We also do have the auto crit on the board. I rolled an 18 or an 18 total. Okay. To find V's blood in Indake. All right. So what does it look like as you're setting up this ritual and V is whimpering, pinned underneath Rev, <laughs> Dewey's tending to V's hand, and Rev's just sort of going, it's okay, V, you're going to be fine. You're I was be so okay. brave. I was so brave. Such a brave girl. Oka, you know, like swipes the blood with their finger off of uh, V's, um, off of V's palm. It's like, it like doesn't bleed anymore afterward, too. Uh, and I think a mirror image of the tiny scratch uh, from her palm like appears in their own as they like co- like and they like, just go to one of the walls, you know, one of these like beautiful, like well-painted walls. And they just like make a circle uh, with both V and their blood. And then they like put their hand in the middle of it and focus. As you focus, you track V's blood across everywhere V's been. The first thread of magic that reaches out connects you to V who's like right in the room with you, right? Easy, just bounces over to V, right? And then the next one expands from Dokao and we, you sort of get like an out of body experience. Okay, as you're pulled through the ceiling, you go like through the clouds, you go above the slumbering palace and now like Dokao, all of it, the capital sprawled underneath you. See the um, tall jagged peaks of like um, the slumbering, uh, the silent groves, like mountainous forests spreading all around you. You go above the mists of the atmosphere and you, you like soar through the air and you tumble um, north of the silent grove past Rosso uh, toward Talmud. Uh, you see the Jadidan scrublands uh, and their baobab trees and their rugged rock flip past you. Uh, you, you fly past uh, the the heavenly road with their v- clusters of refugees and travelers and mercenaries and merchants uh, trawling this paved path. Uh, and and your vision takes you all the way to the three-headed city of Dabathati. Uh, and you f- fly through uh, the district of Suraksha, the district of protection, and you land in a market square uh, where an old, the hunched shoulders of a woman are standing there, uh, and she's currently arguing with a fishmonger over the price of a fish, and then she turns at the last moment and you zoom in on her eye and you are pulled out of this vision. I go, hey, you! And then you're pulled out. You don't know if your voice reached her, but she still has possession of V's blood and she's in Dabathati. Uh, okay. Stumbles back. That was weird. (sighs) (sighs) Which part was weird? Where you attack your friend and take her blood against her will, or? Did you find her? Yeah. She's in Dabathati. She still has your blood for some reason. What's she doing in Dabathati? Arguing with a fishmonger? Are we looking for something we already took? 
<sighs> Rev sighs and looks looks at your chest, Oka. V also looks at Oka's chest. Oka also looks at Oka's chest. Uh, after a beat of silence, I think Rev says, um, <sighs> She's in Dabathati, that's far away from here. We have an assassination plot to thwart. Oka, you at least, you have to go and meet her when this is all said and done. You have to return Vinash. You have to give him to her. Oka nods sort of hesitantly. Right. Can you do that again? Once this is all over, she may have moved. Oka looks at V. You do it a little easier next time. Well, I never knew my blood was so precious, but, you know, I guess, fine, whatever y'all need. I'll do it for free, even. I won't charge you extra for V-blood, which is apparently extremely valuable. You know, a thousand <laughs> gold pieces, but whatever. Visanti, Visanti, if, if you do it, I'll... Uh, and Rev leans in and whispers something that I cannot repeat on stream into your ear. Also, uh, Oka is like, Visanti. Shh, no, no, shh, no, um... This is one of my many names, you know, like Vwendy and, and Veronica and Vicky. Is that the one you want to use for the kingdom? No, you all call me V. Only she gets to call me Vasanti. That's the rules. It's a sex thing. Yeah, don't ask about it. Yeah, yeah, it's always, always that. That's, yep, yep. Can I roll insight? Yeah, whoever wants to roll insight can contest V's deception. 25 insight from Oka. Only 19 deception. You have two inspiration. Uh, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, let's do one more inspiration here. 21! Ah, so V, what does Oka get? Based on V's body language and the way everything went down, um, when it was brought to attention that y'all didn't know Vasanti was V's actual name, uh, you saw that panic of, oh shit, I I just said, or Rev just said my actual real name. And, um... Yeah, I mean, it's very obvious that that is V's actual real name. Okay, as like the, the, the whole uh, sex jokes go on and Manaya becomes uncomfor- uncomfortable, Okay, just kind of like this, the, their eyes are already kind of freaky, but now with this like weird red dash through one of them, it's like they just kind of like peer through V's soul and nod a little and then look away. We- but I loudly clears her throat. <clears throat> anyway. Rev tosses you a cough drop and then turns to the rest of the party and says, yeah, uh, we should get on with it. Uh, Oka, you said you were going to give us a debrief. Okay. Before that, we readdress the letter. We send it to that god captain that we met. What was their name? Uh, send it to Ravi. Right, we send it to Ravi. Hope they can track her down. But until this is all over, we can't do anything. Our hands are tied. Okay? Okay. Do we write this down? First thing you all need to know. The Emperor has eight spouses. This is a holy decree. The first three of those spouses are royalty. The rest are consorts. Royalty obviously have more power. They are closest in line to becoming, well, their children becoming the next emperor. See? Makes sense in this way. So we have, of course, the first wife, Queen Mo Guilin. She's a dragonborn. 
Her son, Prince Moore, is the firstborn, half dragonborn. Both of them, well, they hate my guts, all of them. Then there's Princess Moore, thirdborn, and Prin Moore, fourthborn. Queen Moore has a uh, monopoly on the, well, on the passage of the emperorship, except for, well, me. After Queen Moore, there's Queen Guo, Ru Chong. She's a Goliath, the only person in Anandake, I think, taller than Manaya. She has two children, the uh, three children, the fifth born, the sixth born, the ninth born. After her, you know V, actually, she's, uh, she's got a thing for Mahjong. Maybe you can uh, play a game or two with her. Third spouse, ruler Rao Biailang, it's a tiefling, has one child, the seventh born, Prin Rao. Then, that's royalty. Prin Rao and the sixth consort don't get on quite well. The sixth consort had twins, which meant that ruler Rao could no longer have a second child. Just how it goes. Then there's my mother, my three siblings. Toya is the eighth born. Liangya is 11th. Sambaya is 16th, the very last. And I'm, I was the second born. The fifth spouse is Consort Mu Piao, Fire Ganasi. Uh, do they even have a kid? Oh yeah, Prince Moa, he doesn't really do anything. Tenth born, uh, highly forgettable. They spend a lot of time in the library, both of them. The sixth husband is uh, Consort Tu Gushen. He's an elf, he's the one with the twins. Does not get on well with the third spouse. And then there's uh, the seventh, Zanping, a satyr. One of the only other consorts who was ever kind to my mother. His uh, child must be 16 or 17 now, 12th born. And then there's the eighth wife, consort Lu Baichir, halfling. She has one daughter close to Sambaya in age, the 15th born. She's a bit of a rumor monger, but might know a lot. And that's it. No questions. Did you get all that, Dewey? <laughs> no. What do you mean, no? That was, what, 16 siblings, eight wives. It's clear. Do you, did you take a class in this? Yeah, obviously. I have a headache now. Can someone please cast something on me to take this headache away? Because that was a lot of information. All right, hold on. Gossiping person. Was that the person who was here earlier? Because they seem to like gossip. Yeah, the eighth wife. She uh, swung by while you were visiting your mom. The eighth. She came here. Yeah, she before was still, still, still right there. She you was in here. With, yeah. with all of you, before I told you any of this. Oka looks stricken. You, just, you sound like that we were cursed now because... Oh god, we're all gonna die. Oh no. What did you say? Did you say anything bad? 
No, she knew everything about us. She knew that I'd broken in here like 50-some years ago. She knew, like, everything. There was nothing you broke hide. in here? Yes, okay, I broke into the great library. I gave up a memory. I don't even remember what it, the memory was. How ironic is that? And then Dr. Aluso had already taken what I was looking for. Dr. Aluso took something from here 50 years ago? Well, he was renting it, probably, maybe if actually, like, I don't know, there was a little note that said it was checked out. The book was already checked out. I didn't know they were 50 years old. They look, I mean, they could be anywhere between, like, 20 and 30, I guess. I mean, I think I look pretty good for 110, but... I guess anything's possible. They're a learned doctor. It makes sense they would be here. They would have been here at some point. Is it bad that the eighth wife came by? Manaya, I mean, she was being really wishy-washy, like a fish, real slippery. Oh, of course, you can't say anything just right out here. She's probing for information. She's hunting all of you down like a panther. I should have watched my tongue in retrospect. You know I don't do the sued word-mongering thing well. Yeah, Manaya may or may not have uh, intimidated her. It was it was a very impressive display, Manaya, but she did not seem to like it. Uh, I'll keep my mouth shut. That's maybe worse somehow. It's fine. What was your story? What did you tell her? Why did you say you were here? I don't think we really said much. I did. I did describe how I did disintegrate the god, and that there are two timelines that happened. And no, you know, no, no, we didn't say that. We didn't say any of that. Don't give Oka more of a headache than they already have. He, she asked, but we didn't say anything, and she eventually just left. I think she was just trying to probe us. And when it was clear, when you know that we weren't going to come forward with any more information, she exited. That might not be a bad thing. She's. Rather low in the pecking order, the eighth wife, 15th born. But she's always stayed ahead on gossip. <laughs> she could actually help us. Depending on what we give her, she might be able to give us news of strange people coming and going who aren't just us. Right, we'd have to get into her good graces then. She'll trade a secret for a secret. What secrets do we have that could possibly interest her? I don't know, the existence of the Paragons, do we? The dream shed's been up for quite some time. She probably doesn't know what happened in the Championship, the Court, the Republic. If we at least act like we have secrets, which we do, she'll want anything from us. That's why she came by so fast. She seemed to think we were mercenaries. Is that our cover story? Uh, Dewey, I know you have your own in which you give out your real name. V, I know you've got yours. What's the play here? Oka looks to V. Well, I mean, we were mercenaries. We came here. We had an Oka with us. People saw that. So let's continue that story. We brought an Oka. There was another Oka. I think... It's quite possible with some of the weird stuff we saw that, you know, there were some weird, weird God stuff happened in the throne room. It was weird. Undescribable. 
But we could certainly use some of that to our advantage of maybe what we saw in there, what we've been experiencing. But I think, yes, it's simpler if we continue. Well, there's also the whole, like, biographer thing that we were talking yesterday. Hmm. I mean, well, now I've confused myself with all my ideas. What about this? We are a group of researchers, biographers. Cardu could be just here to study the cataclysm, I suppose. V, you could be a biographer, so could you, Manaya, and so could I. Or we could be hired muscle to accompany V, uh, as she's been traveling around in Dake, recording interesting things that are happening as well as Cardu. We sh were invited to the slumbering palace to speak to the emperor, but we stumbled upon something we should not have seen. And the other mercenaries, the tabaxi, the shirtless Oka, um, these mercenaries were trying to dupe the emperor and during the fight, they were killed. I like where you're going with this. Yes, yes. We witnessed it all. How about that? Yes. And now we're here to just simply get more information for our archive and for perhaps writing about what is going on. Uh, so we perhaps, if if our friend has any information for us that would be helpful, that might be good. Not to be, uh, well, not to be self-centered, but what if you were all writing my biography, The Lost Prince? It would certainly give you a chance to ask the other queens and wives what they thought of me and the Emperor. And would explain what I'm doing with all of you. That's not a bad idea. Yes, I like it. I like it. What about, because in our story, you know, she was aware that there were two Okas. What if I just go ahead and take credit for being one of them? Dewey, I know you probably don't want people thinking it was you, uh, that I was just trying to break in like I did, you know. I was just getting information the only way I knew how, which is to break in. I know it wasn't the best. I know that's not the best of options. I know, I know that now, but uh, maybe that was just me trying to get in here to try to get information. As I went rogue. Honestly, some of the spouses might be impressed by that. They value cunning, wisdom, knowledge, a well-played plan. Okay, then we are biographers turned rogues who snuck into the slumbering palace to learn as much as we could, but we got caught up in something bigger than ourselves, and instead of executing us, the Emperor was impressed and said we could continue carrying out our plan, but in the light of day instead of in the shadows of night. And in the service of the kingdom, to spin it exactly. the way they want. For once, not a bad contribution, Cardu. What do you mean? He's our ideas, man. Seems like it's the only thing he's good for. <clears throat> good. All right. Girlfriend. Rav. Shh. Rav. Shh. You're not helping. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, how about them wives? We'll study up a little bit this afternoon. There's a... Uh, my sister, Yaya, is doing a sword forms performance in my family's courtyard tonight. Doubtless other of the wives and their children will be in attendance. I think that would be a strong 
place to show ourselves for the first time. You want us to meet your family? Oka looks kind of askance. Uh, it's complicated, Dewey. I don't really know what they're going to say when I get there. They may be happier to see you than they are to see me. Well, the sword form showcases promises to be rather interesting to watch besides the, well, everything else we're doing. <laughs> She's anything like me at my age. Well, she'll be pretty good. Okay, then. What's the dress code? Not that. Uh, Rev looks down at her studded, raven-feathered, dappled leather armor. Okay. You slept in that? What? You sleep You sleep in that? And she, like, points uh, despairingly at your cargo shorts. Do I have to have a conversation with the two of you? What's going on? <laughs> so, that... we all have to change. Are we talking formal? Are we talking... Not that desperately, but we shouldn't... We should look like bi biographers, not dirty vagrants. Oka kind of looks at themselves when they say that, because they do look like a dirty vagrant. Speak for yourself, Oka. But you are the person out of all of us that knows the most. Honestly, Manaya, you look fine. You can wear that if you like. She'll stick out for sure. Do, un do none of us own pajamas? Do we all sleep in Why armor? would I be going in pajamas, Dewey? No, I'm just saying all of you woke up in your armor? No, I took just, it off. Just, it's just like 806. We'll in the closets. We'll find something. Come on. Also, at this moment, uh, V walks over to um, Oka, slaps them on the back, and casts mending to make their clothes actually look a little bit nicer, as much as mending will allow. Ah. Uh, well. You know, those slits in the back were actually for my wings. We can cut them out later. Thanks. And I think on that, we're going to do like a quick like montage as y'all like look through the armoires and the dressers of these like conjoined rooms. You find like nice robes to put on. Like we see like uh, Oka and like Rev standing by like shaking their head, you know, and then nodding and the shaking their head and the nodding. It's like a pretty woman sequence, you know. And then finally, um, by nightfall, by evening, right, y'all have like decked out. You've like chosen the proper robes. You've gone over your cover story multiple times. You've reviewed the list of, like, spouses and their children and Oka's half-siblings, like, over and over and over again, I'm assuming. Uh, so why don't you all, except for Oka, make a group intelligence check for me to see how much you can retain for this evening. I hope you're taking the highest, not the lowest, because... Can I use some inspiration here? <laughs> yes, you can. Got... Uh... I got a 15. Okay, 15 from V. 18. Uh, 14. Okay, that's not so bad. So y'all get most of the basics, I think. And you you feel like you'd be able to pick out the consorts in a crowd based on Oka's description. Um you you're you're like 80% confident you can do that. I think based on this based on this montage. Not bad for one day. For sure. Okay, are we ready? Is it time for for Yaya's sword forms demonstration? Let's do it. Oka, Manaya, Dewey, V, and Rev. The courtyard of the fourth wife sparkles with elegant decor and even more elegant attendees. Fairy lights drift through the crisp autumn air. A bard sits on a stone island in the middle of a large pond, plucking 
at a Guzheng. Dragonflies skim the surface of the water, their iridescent bodies gliding over lily pads, lotus petals, and the dark, sleek forms of fish. Nobles wander the courtyard, draped in casual refinery, their cheeks powdered, their dark hair strung up in the latest fashions. Every now and then, they stop to admire a stone statue here, a piece of topiary art there. The center of the courtyard has been fenced off and remodeled to form a closed arena, packed with sand and dirt. A series of wooden dummies stand at attention. The nobles circulate around this arena, chatting amongst themselves, waiting for the sword demonstration to begin. What's interesting about this, Oka you'll note in particular, is that this event is a lot more opulent and a lot more decorated than regular sword form demonstrations would be. This feels more like a cocktail party than like watching your younger sister like get her green belt, basically. <laughs> like there's definitely something at work here. Something or someone more likely has elevated the status of this event to be more of a who's who instead of just watch this kid whack a few dummies with her sword. Unfortunately, this amiable mood is cut short by a raised voice. You! Cutting through the crowd like a shark smelling blood is Prince Moore. Uh, the firstborn, surrounded by his usual group of servants and lackeys. And as he like cuts through the crowd, the other nobles part and bow in deference, uh, looking around in alarm as Prince Mua stops short in front of a young half-drow woman. She has pale gray skin, long elven ears, currently tapered upward in surprise. She wears an elegant blue robe and her hair has been painstakingly pinned into an elaborate updo. Her face is sharp, angular, with perceptive blue eyes that are constantly thinking. Toya Hien quickly schools her expression into one of carefully trained deference. She curtsies in front of Prince Mo. My prince, it is an honor for you to attend my sister's sword demonstration, and an even greater honor for me to put this event together. How can I help you? I couldn't care less about this stupid show. Are you aware that your shitty older sibling did this to my face? Uh, and Prince Mua points at his nose. Uh, and whatever royal physician attended to him after Oka beat his ass yesterday did a pretty good job. Uh, but his nose is slightly off center and his nostrils are still ringed with dried blood. At this, Toya freezes. Then she smiles. <laughs> So I heard. My deepest apologies, my prince. None of us expected Makoya to return, uh, especially not like this. I actually haven't seen them yet. I've only heard. Do you think me a fool, Toya? Do you seriously expect me to believe that Makoya hasn't visited you yet? It's been two days since Mother Father's, since the Emperor's decision. No. They haven't visited. Ha! <laughs> A shitty sibling indeed. <laughs> this next part shouldn't be too difficult. Toya Hien, eighthborn, I, as the firstborn, order you to renounce Makoya Hien, secondborn, as your elder sibling. 
If you want me to attend your little parties from now on, then you will no longer regard Makoya as a member of your family. You will have no contact with them. You will not aid them. You will not shelter them. You will treat them as less than a stranger. Do you renounce them? And it's at this point, I think, that the four of you arrive at the party. Uh, Okamanaya, Dewey V, and of course Rev. You come upon a scene of bated breath. Dozens of nobles standing in a semicircle around Prince Mua and Toya Hien, watching the exchange with eyes as wide as dinner plates. Even the Gujung player has stopped and is like watching. What do you do? How much of that do we hear? Like all of it. I think Oka was kind of like, uh, maybe we were kind of late to this moment because Oka was like kind of fiddling outside and like they weren't really like, they're like, maybe we could just go, you know, like we don't have to go in. Okay, no, let's go in. No, no, let's just wait. Does anyone have a cigarette? Uh, but then once like this noise kind of picks up, they, their attention turns. Wait, come on. I think there's something wrong. And they come inside. And they're, like, frozen again once they kind of are in there. And then they start moving toward Prince Moa, like, cut, like, cutting through the crowd, like, kind of quietly. Excuse me. Pardon me. As they, like, pushing through nobles. And when they kind of, like, maybe there's, like, a small clearing around them, they get to the clearing. Hey, Prince Moa. Prince Moa whips his head around, the dragonborn like crests sort of flaring at his neck, uh, and he looks at you. <sighs> you! Why don't you pick on someone your own size? And at this, <laughs> Manaya walks up behind Oka, towering over them, arms crossed. <laughs> the muscle! Yeah! Prince Moa like looks between Oka and up at you, Manaya. What about you, Dewey and V? Uh, v is going to walk up. Um, to the other side and just has formed like a little fireball that she's just like almost like a contact juggling ball rolling around and stuff but just trying to act she's being harmless without but it's very much threatening by being harmless mm. what about Dewey? Dewey's uh, standing next to the rest of the group but on the side closest to, uh, is it Toya? Mm-hmm. Um, sort of, like, in between Toya and Prince Mo. Trying okay. his best to be, uh, intimidating as well, but nobody notices. <laughs> oh, Dewey. Yeah, Rev also towers, like, in solidarity with all of you, like, next to Manaya, like, looking very menacing indeed. And I think Oka kind of, like, puts their hand up, you know, like, to be like, like, hold off, my friends, you know, and walks into the circle, I think that's kind of formed, um, past Toya, and they give, like, this, in, like, this glance to Toya, it's, like, a little hesitant, and then they turn immediately to Prince Moa, and they, like, come up really close to him. Hey. Sorry, it's been a minute. Didn't really want to have to say hi like that yesterday. Is there a problem? You. You. Everyone. Everyone. Uh, and Prince Mo is addressing the entire crowd. Feast your eyes upon this vagrant. The prodigal son has finally returned, and you've brought nothing but violence and chaos upon the palace. Would you 
Are you speaking out against Motherfather, the Emperor's choice? Of course not! Just like a snake like you to twist my words into something they're not. Hmm. I can think of a few other things I could twist in horrible ways. They kind of look at his body, and then they step in really close. You know, it's funny you talk about me being here, although it was your own mother who brought me here. Because even after seven years, she's still afraid because she knows that I would make a better emperor than you. So she tried to have me killed secretly, right? Or did you not know? It would be interesting if everyone here knew that, wouldn't it? Prince Moss is frozen in rage. And like looking at his face, all of you can see he's quivering with fury. I don't think anyone else hears what you just whispered into his ear, but like his tail, his dragonborn tail is like lashing back and forth. And he starts to open his mouth and Oka, you know, whatever he's going to say is going to make your life a living hell. He's going to issue some sort of order. He's going to like, like do something to your mom. He's going to like do something really horrible next. But interrupting him is Toya's voice that just says, I renounce them. And Prince Mo turns and looks at her. Ha! <laughs> And, like, his rage abates with that. He looks back at you with this, such a smug, punchable expression on his smug, snotty, shitty little face, Oka. <laughs> you talk big game, Makoya, for someone whose sibling can't even look up at you. She's losing face by you just being here. Spare everyone the humiliation and go back to where you came from. Because your home isn't here. Really quick, I'm going to try something. She, Manaya learned this from V. Or so I'm going to say. Manaya's going to tap her foot really softly and attempt to very subtly cast a lightning lure on Prince Moa's foot, just like across the ground. Not pulling him, but just there, so that when he tries to take a step, he trips. That's it. That's it. Uh, what level cantrip. spell is that? It's a cantrip? It's a cantrip. As you put your hand forward to cast this spell, Manaya... Not hand, just tap foot. Okay, as you tap your foot to cast this spell, uh, and the weave starts to tighten around you, you feel the strings of the weave suddenly snap uh, as someone counterspells you. Uh, and you notice Toya standing there. She flicks her wrist really quickly uh, to prevent the spell from being cast, the cantrip from being cast. Uh, and like this like lightning sort of sparks off of you like off of your foot as Prince Moa turns in that like slowed moment and then keeps walking uh, triumphantly out of there darn yeah I mean I don't think uh, Oka even like cares about him in that moment like they like they when Prince Moa turned to look at Toya so did they and they haven't stopped looking at her they're just kind of like and this expression of, like, shock and pain is just, like, super clear on their faces. They're just, like, looking at Toya, uh, like, speechless. Toya looks back at you, and there's a moment where her, like, expression wavers before she schools it back into this, like, perfect mask, right, of, like, she's above it all. She gives a quick smile to the gathered crowd, and she says, 
I apologize for all the commotion. It's such a great honor to have the firstborn visit this humble event. Please, enjoy my youngest sister's sword forms. Uh, and she smiles and, without looking at you, Oka, uh, your sister who, you, who hasn't seen you in seven years, turns and leaves. Yeah, Oka just looks after her. Like they like, it's like they're like tracking her, you know, like with their head. Uh, but as she like looks away, they like she walks off into the crowd and Oka just kind of like stuck there in the middle of this like semicircle that had formed, uh, like look looking at her. And then after a moment, they kind of like peel inward and even like try to shake it off a little bit like physically. And they look r- rather panicked like they're about to. Like they're about, they're like, and then when they look up again, it's like in the way that they're like looking for an escape route. Dewey puts a feathered arm over Oka's shoulders and is like, huh, you want to go back or? Uh, I think Oka literally jumps uh, when they realize Dewey's even there. Uh, No. I'm fine. It's fine. Expecting that. And they swallow kind of hard. Um, let me, um, maybe, maybe, uh, and they're like looking around in the crowd for anyone else. Yeah. You see your mother Arden, uh, sitting by a, a fountain in her chair. Uh, and next to her is Liangya. Uh, your other sibling, she's 18 now. Uh, you saw her in Convergence last. Uh, she's got these thick glasses on, and even in the middle of the party here, she's got like a, a stack of books that she's hugging close to her chest. Uh, and like her robes look a little disheveled, like maybe she slept in, in the library and like just woke up in time for this. Her hair looks like it was just put together with magic. Um, and you you lock eyes across the way with your family, and <gasps> Liangya like oh, startles a bit, she straightens. Um, she's not as like shocked to see you as your mother was because she did see you just a couple months ago. But it's still good. It's still good for her to like see that you're here. And she <gasps> gives a tentative little wave. Oh, that softens the blow a little. Uh, Dewey, you, um, Liangas really smart. Come on, you'll you'll get along. Uh, and Uka tentatively starts to lead themselves and Dewey over toward uh, Liangya. But I think the rest of the party can mingle as they wish. Okay. Uh, I think we're going to cut to Oka and Dewey, like, getting to Liangya and Arden. Um, uh, Liangya. Uh, uh, here, I'm so sorry. Uh, she hands her big stack of scrolls and books to, like, a, a servant, uh, apologizing, apologizing profusely for how heavy they are. The servant goes, oh! like, this little gnome man just, oh, like, crumples underneath all the books. Uh, turns to you, Oka, and just, oh, mm tentatively, like, wants to hug you, but isn't sure. Come here. Okay. And Yaya just, like, wraps her, like, arms, like, around around your torso and, like, squeezes. <laughs> You're here. You're really here. And you return dream hunter and... Yaya, we should be careful how we watch our tongues in public. Uh, yes, mother. I'm so sorry. Uh, you You're here. You're here. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm here. Like I said, I would. Right. Her glasses are fogging up with tears and emotion, and she like quickly pulls them off and starts scrubbing at them. Uh, oh, it's so good to see you. I, I missed you. 
When have you had time to misbehave between your studies? Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> it's so weird to have you back here. It's like... It's almost like you never left. But your hair's so short. Is that really the thing? And Oka's like, got like, f fucked up scars and tattoos, like all like... She traces like the scars on your arms, you know, and like lingers on a culling edge tattoo on your, on your forearm. These are new, but you're still Oka. I, I can tell. You're still Oka. <laughs> Sometimes I need the reminder. Liang, yeah, this is, um, Cardu Quirk, one of the greatest inventors Andake's ever seen. R really? Uh, and in common, she turns and, like, it's good to meet you. Uh, my name is Liangya, Liangya Hien. I'm 11th born. Uh, it's so nice to meet you. And Dewey's, like, uh, taking, like, shuffling through the books on the stack that the whole, uh, servant's holding. And it's like, oh, you're into, like, um, like, al uh, alchemy. Oh, is this what you're studying? This is, uh, really advanced stuff. Oh, well, these are the subjects for this year's imperial examination. Uh, alchemy, literature, philosophy, history, all eight languages, uh, biology, chemistry. And she goes on to like list like a ton of other subjects. You'll have to uh, teach me a thing or two sometime. <laughs> well, if Oka says you're one of the greatest inventors to have ever lived, I would be honored uh, to learn from you. Lianya is uh, extremely proficient in the healing arts as is tradition in the palace. Oh, it's nothing. It's just some minor necromancy I dabble in. That's uh that's really impressive. You you got to show me sometime. I just can't seem to get this uh uh I'm still working on things like a cure wounds, so you got to show me sometime. <laughs> well, I I would be I would be humbled to. I would be I would be honored to. I'd I'd be more than happy. You're one of big siblings friends. So you're a friend of theirs, you're a friend of mine. Uh, and I think Oka almost like pulls away for a moment to kind of catch V, Rev, and Manaya in the crowd to wave them over. I think Manaya was already um, on her way, but like having trouble going through the getting through the crowd. V, on the other hand, has been walking around a bit. Um, kind of just scoping out the space a little bit. And while she's doing it, uh, Gamble's been in her hands and she's just been shuffling through cards. And she just happens, I don't know, to pull the Wheel of Fortune card while oh my God. walking through. And as she walks, she's still a distance from P Prince Moi. And she just flicks confusion at... She, she whispers to the card, <gasps> be gentle, and flicks confusion at anyone within his range within 10 feet uh, could become confused for a, a little bit. But I just want, like, a little spice. I don't want, like... You know, them freaking out. I just want to, like, wait, where are we? What? Like, just for a moment, they're like, they get a little confused about what's going on in their life. Oh, my a God. A gentle, gentle spell. <laughs> a gentle spell. What level spell is that? Fourth level. A gentle fourth level spell. Okay, I don't think she can counterspell that. Uh, so, yeah, you cast the spell. What do you, uh, what does it look like? So she's just walking by. She's got the cards in her hand, and she's, like, flicking it around. And she's just like looking over here. She knows Prince Moi is behind her. And she just like almost like, you know, just flicks the card in that direction. And it kind of sparks up green for a second and and hits Prince Moi. Um, and then everyone just sort of 
if you were really tuned into the weave, you could probably see this little bit of like purple uh, bubble, but it's real imperceptible to the untrained eye, uh, engulfing him and it's like little entourage. And then, yeah, that dissipates. And then they're just kind of left a little confused for a little bit. Okay, I need you to make a stealth or sleight of hand check to disguise that it was you who cast the spell. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna use inspiration on that nat one. Oh yeah. An unnatural twenty. Okay, unnatural twenty. You just sort of hear a, what, what? Where are we? What's going on? What? Where? Why am I? And it's just like mur- murmuring from like Prince Moa, like by the archway. Right, and they're just sort of like discombobulated. Maybe you're smirking a bit uh, as you go up to go up to Arden and Oka and the rest of the party. Mm-hmm. But it seems like you've gotten away with it for now. Uh, as this like purple cloud, uh, psychic cloud, sort of settles over them and befuddles their senses for a moment. Rev bumps you uh, as the two of you walk through the crowd. That was risky. Risk and reward, baby. <laughs> She's, that's like very whispered back. That's I'm not doing the finger guns, as V. No. <laughs> <laughs> risk and reward, baby. Let's see what the rest of us are up to, eh? Yeah, let's let's uh let's it seems like we're being gathered over here. And with that, uh I think Rev, Manaya, and V also pull up to Oka's family. Oka kind of kind of the same as when they first had seen their mother. They kind of like get on their knees in front of her wheelchair and um offer their like hands on to like on her knees. Ma. These are the friends I was telling you about. This is Manaya Wydra, Cardu Quirk, V, and Rev. They're my friends. They've been taking care of me. Thank you all so much for taking such good care of my eldest. Uh, I'm Makoya's mother. Uh, my name is Arden Hien. I am the fourth wife and a consort here of the emperor i hope you all find your stay here amenable uh, and enjoyable i apologize for the commotion earlier things can get quite exciting here uh, in my courtyard ma rev is uh and oka kind of looks back priestess of the raven queen i was thinking maybe she could help you oh Please, only if you... It would be my honor, ma'am. And Rev sort of strides forward. Uh, Yangya sort of like hovers nearby, uh, like an anxious, uh, like an anxious little butterfly. Uh, She's going, I I did some looking myself. Uh, Based on how you speak common, I I assume, are you from the court? Uh, Well, never mind. Uh, I I dabble in a little bit of necromancy myself, and I have a diagnosis, but I'm not sure. Well, maybe I could have gotten it wrong. Let me have a look here. Uh, and Rev kneels in front of Arden and places a hand on your mother's chest. Takes a deep breath. Breathe with me. Mm-hmm. And they exhale together. And there's like a long stretch of silence as Rev does nothing but just like touch her mom's chest and like close her eyes. And then she opens her eyes and your mom looks a little lightheaded. Oh my. Your eyes are different colors just like Oka's now with that red line take it easy uh, she needs to take it easy uh, y- yes of course thank you Rev uh, 
Ma, are, are you okay? And Yang goes over to like take care of your mom. Rev stands and addresses Oka. Yeah, who kind of like peels away from them for just a second. She has a grim look on her face and says, uh, word in private. Oka nods. Uh, I guess the party can be there also, I guess. It's fine with me. Okay, just stepping away from Liang Ya and your mom, Rev and the rest of the party and Oka, she says, The sickness, if you can call it that, that has gripped your mother is not, is not physical in nature. It's not genetic in origin. It's psychological. Uh, for a long time, your mother has been struck with grief. grief. Yes, grief. And I'm afraid she, she does not have a lot of time left, Oka. I give it a few weeks, maybe a month or two at most, if she continues down this path. And if she doesn't, I'm back. Isn't that the problem? That I was gone. It is. But you're back as a, as a ghost, Oka. She doesn't know how long you'll be back for. She doesn't know what new dangers you might thrust yourself into after all this is done. Will you stay? Keep an eye on her with me. Yeah, I will. We'll do our best to keep her here on this plane, to keep her alive. I would not want to reap her soul. Uka's look kind of like fades away. Like they're somewhere else completely for a moment, and they come back. If anyone was going to do it, I'd want it to be you. Yeah, don't worry. If it ever comes to that, I'll make sure Grim keeps her safe. And when the stars are back, I'll ferry her safely to the after. Good. Now we have an assassin to find. That we do. Uh, And Rev's gonna sort of, like, turn out and, like, fan out the party a little bit to, like, look at this gathering of nobles. Podcast editing is by Marissa Ewing of Hemlock Creek Productions. Transplaner RPG is proudly sponsored by at Dimitri Opines on Twitter and explaintrade.com, a negotiation skills training consultancy, because you can't ask to roll persuasion in real life. Check out explaintrade.com. Please consider giving us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. This helps so much with getting new listeners to find us. New podcast episodes drop every Tuesday. If you can't wait that long, tune into our live stream Saturdays at 7 p.m. U.S. Central Time on Twitch at TransplanarRPG. Also, toss us a follow on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, and YouTube at TransplanarRPG. We also have a Patreon. Patrons get early access to episodes, character sheets, high-res art, and much, much more. And finally, a very special thank you to our Patreon Paragons. Alex, Azura, Bradley, Brooke Bright, Charles, Chiacres, Cora Eckert, Emma, Hat, Conding, Lex Later, Marvelous, Purple Mouse, Scruffisus, and Target.